Hi, it's Nathaniel Cooper from The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald's Please Explain podcast. The first episode of Liar Liar is only a few days away, but ahead of the launch, I caught up with one of the show's hosts, Kate McClymont, to find out more about the podcast. So here's a special edition of Please Explain, all about Liar Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions. And remember, if you follow the show now, you'll get the first episode as soon as it's ready. From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Nathaniel Cooper. It's Friday, April 8th. The disappearance of Melissa Caddick is a missing persons case that has truly captivated the country. A seemingly successful businesswoman who built a Ponzi scheme that ripped off investors to the tune of more than $20 million. But Caddick's investors weren't wealthy business people. It was her friends and her own family whose money she embezzled to fund her lavish lifestyle of designer dresses, expensive jewellery and luxury cars. Australians have been captivated by the story, from the bizarre press conference about her disappearance through to her foot washing up on a beach on the south coast of New South Wales. Next week, we launch a new podcast that takes the investigation into Melissa Caddick's disappearance to the next level. Hosted by 60 Minutes' Tom Steinfurt and the Sydney Morning Herald's Kate McClymont, Liar Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions is the definitive investigation into the disappearance of the eastern suburbs' most notorious scam artist. Kate McClymont joins me now to tell us about the podcast and more on the investigation. Welcome back to Please Explain, Kate. Thanks, Nathaniel. Now, firstly, congratulations on Liar Liar. I've listened to the first episode and it's a truly fascinating look into a truly fascinating story. Well done. Oh, look, thanks so much. And it's it's been so much fun for someone like me who normally works by myself. It has been really good working with a group of other people, Tom Steinfort from 60 Minutes, uh, Tracy Hannaford from 60 Minutes and Michael Evans, our investigations editor. So, you know, just having um, someone to share the journey or people to share the journey with, like it's great to say you will never guess what I found <laughs> out. It's great to, um, you know, just be able to turn to somebody and say, oh, oh, wait till you hear this. (laughs) So, for instance, when I obtained um, voice recording of Melissa Caddick's voice as she wheedles her way into trying to get a victim, like we all sat there and just said, wow, (laughs) that is so spooky because we've never actually heard from Melissa Caddick herself. Yeah, well, I was in the studio when you recorded that bit of the episode and I remember thinking it is absolutely chilling to hear her like weave her web around these people. I know. Hello. It's no, it wasn't <laughs> like that. It was um. It's Melissa Kerrick. It's very, very it's, creepy, and you do get to hear that in in the first episode. So uh, everyone's going to have quite the treat, for want of a better word, with that. Now, I've had you on. Please explain a few times to talk about this this missing persons case and the investigation, but we've never talked on the podcast about how you came across the story. It was almost an accident. Uh, almost completely by accident. <laughs> and this is what o- often happens in journalism. You start looking at one thing and you realise the big story is a side event. And, and in this case, I received a tip off that uh, a Sydney businessman had had his house raided, that he was the subject of um, an ASIC investigation into insider trading. So I rang the um, AFP who execute the search warrants to say, had they executed a search warrant? And they got back to me and they said, now, do you mean Wallaroy Road or Wallangra Road? And I said, well, who's at Wallangra? And they said, oh, I don't know, some Melissa Caddick woman. So 
at first I thought that they were related, but the raids weren't on the same day. But I just thought, oh, well, I'll, you know, a woman, you know, a businesswoman being raided, I'll, I'll have a little look. And as I'd done the preliminary investigation, which is always to find out, you know, what property you own, where you live, have you been in the paper, have you been bankrupted, all those kind of things, then came news that Melissa Caddick was missing. So it was, wow, her house has been raided one day and the next day she has vanished without a trace. So it just became one of those stories that you are as riveted as anyone else because you don't know the outcome either. So just following the money, following what happened has just been the most fascinating story I think that I've worked on. And when did you realise that it was more than your average con, was it? Was it when she went missing or as you went through the investigation? When did you discover quite how Look, it was, it was um, when she went missing and then when I discovered that, you know, one of her victims gave me their accounts to have a look at. And, of course, Commonwealth, um, uh, Comsec, which is an online broking firm, is associated with Combank. And Comsec accounts have eight digits and hers only had six. So when I wrote that story, that's when things really took off because most of her victims did not know until they read my story in the Herald, which was Con Artist of the Century, that they realised that they were victims. And this included members of her own family. They were already shocked by Melissa's disappearance. And it was interesting that the word in, you know, in the extended family was that Melissa had been abducted by a disgruntled investor. That's what they all believed. They opened the paper on the 4th of December. They read my story and they realised to their horror that their loving, you know, their niece, their cousin, their relative was a world-class con artist and that they too were victims. I mm. think they would they just described it as this profound sense of betrayal, not not just financial betrayal, but this was somebody that they loved. This was their relative and to think that she could do that to them. And then it transpired that her only brother, her only sibling Adam is also a victim as are her parents. They did not invest in her Ponzi scheme, but they were fleeced in another way in that Melissa had purchased a $2.5 million penthouse in a very affluent suburb of Sydney, Edgecliff. And she said, look, it's going to be in my name because that's far more tax effective, but this is for where you are to live for the rest of your life. And you can um, sell your house in Connells Point and give me the money. So they did that. They gave her $1.1 million from the sale of their house. She'd already bought the apartment using stolen funds. And guess what? The money that she got from her parents went on one bit, went on a single diamond ring. The others went on uh, private jets and maintaining her lifestyle. So now there's a little bit of a rift in the family because her parents, Barb and Ted Grimley, are contesting the liquidator's attempt to sell the property along with the Dover Heights home in order to try to get some money back to investors. And Barb and Ted are saying, no, we deserve our $1.1 million back. 
But the liquidator is saying, look, I'm really sorry. I know you're in your 80s. I know you're suffering from poor health. But the reality is your money went on her lifestyle. It never went where you thought it was going to go. And they're saying you are in no um, better or worse position than any other victim. Mm. But Melissa Caddick's parents are fighting that in the courts at the moment. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes it so truly alarming but also fascinating. She wasn't ripping off, you know, millionaires or uh, wealthy businessmen or anything like that. These are her, her best friend and her uh, her parents and her brother. These are normal people investing their life savings, all they've got in her scam. Oh, and I think this is what's, you know, truly horrific. And it's interesting that um, experts call this affinity fraud, which is um, when you, you target a group of people known to you, and in some ways it's easier to do that because they trust you. In this case, um, there's about 11 um, main groups of victims, and they're either relatives, friends from school, friends of her brother, her employees, and their extended family. So there's sort of a central group of people. And her best friend from school, who we've talked to a lot in the podcast, her family lost $10 million. And, you know, I, I think that the description of seeing her mother, her elderly mother, now being left with nothing and have to queue up at Centrelink to get the pension is like truly heartbroken. And this woman, Kate, is a disability worker, a single mother who's worked hard her entire life. And she was basically Melissa's bait to get in the rest of her family. Mm. And I just think that's just horrendous. And that's that's a great thing about Liar Liar is we are hearing from the victims and some of them are speaking for the first time, aren't they? Yes, that's right. And I think that their stories, because sometimes you read things on social media saying, oh, these greedy people deserve whatever they get. That is so not true. These people just trusted that she was doing the right thing by them. A lot of them weren't sophisticated investors by any stretch. But to think that, you know, among her victims are elderly relatives who are now having to sell their house. They've lost everything and they have no capacity to earn that money again. Like some younger victims, okay, they've they've lost you know, they've lost everything, but at least they have a working life. For so many of her victims who were retirement age, there is no way for them to recoup what has been taken for them from mm. them. And I think that's just heartbreaking. You and Tom have been working on the investigation for this podcast for months. And before I started listening to the episodes, I, I was like, I thought I knew everything about this case there was to know apart from where is Melissa. But you guys have actually uncovered more, haven't you? And I think that's been the fascinating thing about doing this. Like following the money has taken us into the most weird and wacky places, you know, from, um, you know, rare jewellery auctions in Hong Kong to private islands in the South Pacific and also just tracing what she spent that money on has been like fascinating and disturbing. The other thing I have found really interesting is we've managed to uncover that the Ponzi scheme was not her first crime. She had done other like really seriously bad things at her previous jobs and not just one. There's more. She had more than one 
crooked scheme on the boil. She had she had quite a lot of practice before she went for the big yes, one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, wow. And where is the investigation at? Have ASIC been able to recover much of the money she stole? Has there been any indication of how much investors will get back? No, there hasn't yet. And what's happened is that um, the court appointed liquidator Bruce Gleeson from Jones Partner, Jones Partners. He's the one that is busy doing all those things at the moment, but it's hit a hiccup at the moment because Melissa Caddick's parents are mounting a court challenge. But to date, we've seen the sale of the family cars and her husband, Anthony Coletti's pride and joy, a uh, bright blue Audi R8. It's funny you say family car and then the next thing is an Audi A8. (laughs) Yes, yes. well, um, so that went to auction last month and it was bought using investors' funds, so stolen money, I think in 2016 for 390000 It actually fetched $290,000 at auction. And I think Melissa Caddick's um, Mercedes sold for about $67,000. So, you know, that will be put aside to return to the parents. But I, I feel a bit sorry for the victims because the Sydney house market was absolutely red hot at the end of last year, but it has slightly softened. So the matter's back in court on the 3rd of May. So I don't know how long after that the judge will rule as to whether those two properties uh, will be sold because Anthony Coletti, Melissa's husband, as we mentioned before, he's also staking a claim on the Dover Heights home. But they're waiting to see, the liquidators are waiting to see what he will file in his affidavit as evidence as to to, to support his claim, basically. Mm, how fascinating. The first episode of Liar Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions will be released on Monday. You can follow the show now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to the trailer where we do actually hear from Melissa's best friend too. Kate, thanks for joining me on Please Explain. Thank you so much, Nathaniel. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Tammy Mills. The journalists, editors, photographers, producers and tech team at The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald work tirelessly to cover the news that matters. For coverage you can trust, visit our websites or buy our papers. To support our journalism, you can subscribe via our homepages or just search subscribe, The Sydney Morning Herald or The Age. I'm Nathaniel Cooper. Thanks for listening.